Hey everyone, I'm Preston Lee. And I'm Clay Mosley. And this is Freelance to Founder. Every week, we sit down with freelancers like you for actionable coaching calls with one mission. To help you ditch the feast-famine lifestyle and build your own sustainable business. At one point, we were both brand new freelancers, barely making ends meet. But by now, we've started, grown, and even sold a few businesses of our own. And we want to help you do the same. If you're ready to go from freelance to founder, then join the army of freelancers who are taking matters into their own hands. Visit freelancetofounder.com to apply for your own on-air coaching call. And now, get ready to take some notes because an all-new episode of Freelance to Founder starts right now. On today's show, have you ever wondered if you're doing too much in your business? For those of us who are multi-talented, it can be hard to know when to stop doing everything in our business. And that's just one question we tackle with today's guest, Grant. As he explains it, one of his biggest problems is he has the ability to do all kinds of things, from writing to design to founding businesses. But there must be a point at which doing everything yourself is not the best option, right? So... How do you identify that moment and what should you do when your ability to do everything becomes your own biggest problem? Stay tuned after this quick message to find out. We'll be right back. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules restrictions apply. When you wake up in the morning and check your phone, does it feel like this or like this? Because with Shopify, your morning can feel like this way more often. That's the sound of a sale being made on your new Shopify store. And while client payments may require weeks or months of work, you can start generating a semi-passive income to grow your business by setting up a Shopify store all of your own. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your latest designs on shirts or bags or adding something totally different to your business, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. You can sell online, you can sell in person, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. With Shopify, you can set up your store in minutes and start selling immediately. And Shopify's award-winning support is there to help you as you go. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash freelance. That's all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash freelance to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash freelance or click the link in our show description and start waking up to this. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Freelance to Founder. My name is Preston Lee from Milo.co, and joining me on the air is my friend Clay Mosley from GetDripified.com. Hey, Clay. What's up, man? I got my podcast face on, even though you can't see it. (laughs) I can hear it. I can hear it in your voice, man. Um, (laughs) Joining us on the air today is our new friend, Grant. And I I was saying before we hit record here, Grant holds the record for most rescheduled episodes, most of them my fault. Poor Grant, he would like schedule one and I'd have something going on with the family or... Um, you know, some members of my family have had health issues. I've been helping them out. So it's just been like back and forth. And then Grant had a kitchen delivered last week and missed the missed the call. So it's just <laughs> been like, man, so nice to finally have you here, Grant. Welcome to the show. 
Hey, it's great to be here. It's it's hard to take uh, possession of a kitchen and be on a podcast at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine that is pretty difficult. And Grant, why don't you tell us where you're calling in from today? I uh, work and live on Nantucket Island, uh, 30 miles at sea off the coast of Cape Cod in Massachusetts. Yeah, very cool. A unique mm. place to live and work, which we were also talking before we uh, went live here on the air. You're going to tell us a little bit about how living on the island sort of works into your business strategy. Before we dive into some of that stuff, why don't you just give us like an overall idea of what your business is? What kind of work do you do? You bet. Well, um, my business is called SAND, uh, which is are the first four letters of my last name. Um, but SAND stands for Strategy, Art, Narrative, Design. And um, basically, those are the superpowers we bring to a pretty specific niche, which is transportation. Um, huh. My previous job was as creative director of a, of a good-sized ad agency in Connecticut. Um, and one of our biggest clients was the Connecticut Department of Transportation, and I got to do some amazing projects with some amazing people um, around the idea of getting people to work, getting people home again, and... Um, it really got me thinking about um, the value of the work I do uh, matching the value that it brings to people's lives. So I made a deal with myself when I left that job that I was only going to do work that made people's lives better and focus on transportation. So I do you know, green transportation technologies. I have a bike client. Um, I have... Um, a client that is involved in space transportation, believe it or not. Oh, and wow. That sounds cool. Yeah, it's it's very cool. I wish I could talk more about it because I'm under NDA on it right now, but it's going to break in the next couple of weeks, and it's we'll very just call, exciting for me. We'll just call that uh, that client Elon Musk. Well, it's, <laughs> we'll it's call not it Company Elon X. Musk. It's <laughs> not kidding. Elon Musk, but it's uh, somebody it's somebody else. Yeah, that, um, yeah. Wink, wink. <laughs> or, eventually, or, eventually, you'll know you'll know what their name is and what they're doing. Or uh, or Red Origin. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We're gonna we're gonna have uh, Jonathan like bleep everything out. It's gonna be all. We'll just call the company bleep. There you go. Yeah. No, it's not bleep. It's bleep. I didn't say Blue Origin. <laughs> I said red. <laughs> anyway, anyway we're working with some cool companies, it sounds like. Uh, and, and I love how you have found a niche, like intentionally started by serving a particular niche, right? Like sometimes people get started and they, and this isn't a bad route necessarily, but sometimes they'll get started and they'll like take any job they can find. And then after time, over time, they'll sort of say like, I like to work with these guys. But you knew coming into running your own business that there was a certain kind of client and a certain kind of work that you preferred, uh, and and you really just focused your efforts in that area. Correct. Yeah, and this is the third business that I have founded. Um, I'm a I'm a little bit older than you, gents, but um, back in the late '80s and early '90s, I had an agency in Boston with two partners, and um, I went freelance for close to 25 years, and then ended up at this agency in Connecticut. Um, commuting back and forth. So I've had a lot of time to think about the kind of business I want to build and create and take forward into the world. 
I love that. I love that. You've had, yeah, lots of opportunity to see what you like, what you don't like. And definitely something that uh, comes with age and comes with experience is, is knowing what you like and dislike. So I, this, I mean, it sounds like it sounds like you're running a company you really enjoy. Let's um let's now talk about sort of your progress from freelancer to founder. I guess before we do the scale, which people are familiar with, I, I'd love to know like, do you currently have employees or contractors? Are you currently working mostly solo? What does that look like in your business? I have one part-time employee. About two months ago, I had two part-time employees that that were you know, dedicated to my business. Um, and then I do have a pretty deep bench of freelancers that I turn to yeah. on, on a inconsistent basis. Um, one of yeah, my biggest needed. problems is that I have the ability to do all kinds of things. I'm a designer. I'm a writer. I can code. I can shoot video. I can edit video. I can, you know, there are so many things that I can do that it makes it, you know, it often makes it difficult for me to make the decision to pull the trigger and bring somebody mm, in. I totally relate. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. That's really that's really interesting. Um, maybe maybe we're taking a small detour there. Like, yeah, how do you overcome or, or when is the right time to to hold on to something that you can do versus handing it off to to other people? I have some thoughts, but I'd love to hear what you guys think first. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's going to want to take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to Hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people calling with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs. And did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, 
You know, I, I'm a lot like you, Grant. Um, I can code, I can design, I can shoot video, I can edit video, I can, I know all kinds of things about social media, marketing, email, all that stuff. Um, I, my take on that is uh, the first thing is okay. First of all, you gotta you gotta decide what you want to sell, right? Um, because like you could sell it all if you wanted to. But you know now you're stretched thin, right? It's you're like being offering to your clients. Like, do you offer them coding, writing, marketing, mm-hmm. all that design? And, 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 yeah, and it's like here's the issue with that. Like, I think there's pros and cons. Pro is okay, you can offer a, a variety of different things, right? Kind of like a non a one stop shop kind of thing. Um, the con is is like okay, you're master of none to some people. I'm not saying yeah. that you are. Um, but to a lot of people, that's how you'll be viewed. Um, so I think that's the first step. Is like, okay, what what all do you, what do, what do you want to be known for? Do you want to be known for as a as a one stop shop kind of place, or do you want to be known for design? Right. Uh, so like, I think that's the first thing. The second thing is um, is you got to figure out, uh, in my opinion, what's what's the most time consuming thing. Um, so like, let's just make the assumption that you like to do all of these things equally. Um, if you don't, then definitely, uh, outsource or, or pawn off or delegate, I should say the things that you don't, you you like to do the least. But if you like, if you're just making, let's just make the assumption that you like to do all of these equally, then I would say which one of them, uh, of those things take up the most time. And for example, for me, it's video editing, and so I like I can edit my own videos, but I don't do it. I don't do it because it just takes up a ton of time. So yeah. I don't know. That's that's just kind of my approach to it. What do you think, Grant? Well, um, I've been thinking a lot about this um, in the last twelve months because of, because last year I was working for a couple of clients that were relying heavily on me for design and for writing. And not so much for strategy and direction and mm. ideas. And um, I, while I love design, I do it every day. And while I love to write, I do it every day. Um, I I find that I value or that I bring the most value to a client when I am helping them understand their message, their their strategy, their ideas. Um, what makes them different. Uh, I love to dig for insights. And so this recent space client that I've been working on, it was a total rebrand. So it was changing their name. They had a a legal reason why they needed to change their name. So we came up with a logo, but we're also working on um, a, a set of messages for each of their, their audience segments and, helping them relaunch this brand and, you know, get into space in a huge way, uh, which I find to be really, really satisfying. Not as satisfying as pushing pixels around on the screen, although I do love doing that. No, but you bring up a good point. Like, there's, if you if you become known for only a certain kind of work, uh, then sometimes that's an opportunity cost that pulls you away from from the work you enjoy even more. Like, I, I sort of realized this in my business, which is I could write all of the content on our blog 
or I could record. I mean, I am recording most of the podcast episodes, so I guess that's maybe a bad example. But um, or or you know, I could redesign the website, or I could record all our videos. Like, there's lots of things I could do. Um, but every time I do that, I'm like you said, I'm I'm having to say no, or I'm or I'm um, not putting myself in situations where I have more opportunities to do business development to grow an audience, to engage with an yeah. audience. Like those are all the things mm-hmm. I'm really passionate about, even though I can do those other things. And so, yeah, I think for me, and we're going to get into this a little bit with, with our conversation today, Grant, about your unique take on growing a business. Um, but for me, like a lot of it is just what I like and dislike. <laughs> you know, just because you can do it doesn't mean you enjoy doing it. And, and just because you can do it doesn't mean you're the most efficient at it. So I, I think what you guys have said is perfect and it, it, I agree with it 100%. It's like, is it is it really always the best decision for you to do it just because you can? No, probably not. Yeah. Can I can I add one more thing too? Yeah. So Grant, as I, I, I was just listening while you're talking, um, uh, <laughs> which I should be, <laughs> instead of clicking <laughs> and typing away. <laughs> Thank you for doing uh, that, by the way. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> So I, I, while I was listening, I heard a lot of eyes. Like I do this, I do that, I do this, I do that, I do this daily, I do this every day. Um, it sounds a lot like your company is very you. Uh, True. So like, if you go away, what happens to your business, right? So my, like, okay, just step taking a step back. Are, are you married, or, or do you have a partner, or? Yes, married thirty one years. Okay, so so my question is, is that you know uh, hypothetically, cross our fingers, knock on wood. Hopefully, this doesn't happen. But if you get hit by a bus tomorrow, can your business still provide income? You know what I mean? Uh, yes, and the answer is no, absolutely not. Yeah. So, like here, this is two questions. So that's, you're I, saying that's like maybe something else you take into consideration. Yeah, yeah, because like. It's, you know, it's one of those things like when people, when people build a business, in my opinion, they should always build it to sell. And regardless of whether you want to sell the the business or not, that's the way it should be built. And in order to do that, uh, it it cannot be the grant business. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. sure, you, you, you can, you're the front, you, you, you know, you can definitely be the front facing person or whatever, but like. Can it operate and still still be profitable without you? And so, like, that's what makes a company sellable. And the reason I say this is because I sold I sold my agency um, back in 2019. I was I I was not in a position mentally that I, yes I wanted to sell, but an opportunity came up and got a good offer, and I was like, well, hell yes, I want to sell it. Like that's good enough for me. Um, and then now just. As, as we're recording this, I'm in negotiation of selling a second company, and so and I wasn't ready to sell, but like the opportunity came about. And so for those like that, that's kind of the reasons. Like you don't know when an opportunity is going to come about, and whenever that opportunity does, like you have your business needs to be ready for that. Um, and if it's super reliant on you, it's no one like it's very, very difficult to to buy a company like that. And also, like the reason I ask about like if you were married um, is because a lot of people, whenever I say, hey, you know, you should build this company up to be sellable, like they just completely block that out of their mind because they're like, I'm never going to sell. 
Mm-hmm. And so the way I view another perspective is what happens if you if you get hit by a bus tomorrow? Can does will your wife have that? Can she have that income? Right? Yeah. Or could she could she sell the business and, and yeah. someone would still be interested in it without grant yep. present, right? Yep. And I and I I'm sort of in camp of like I don't plan to sell my business anytime soon, but I'm also in camp build your build it like you're going to sell it. I have been from mm-hmm. the beginning. Like Early on in blogging, I had, uh, you know, I had sort of a decision to make, which was, am I going to create all the content myself and and become like a personality that people come to, or am I going to build a resource that people come to and like a brand that people can be drawn to that can be separated from me personally? And I went that that direction. We built Milo, and it's like this thing that stands without me necessarily. Like it could, it could go on without me, and. Probably the biggest thing we wouldn't have is a weekly podcast where I'm a co-host on the podcast, right? But other than that, the whole thing could function without me. Um, and to me, that brings just like tons of peace and uh, and also like freedom and flexibility. My like I mentioned before, I remember my family got really sick late last year, and I just took a bunch of time off. And my team was awesome, and I was just like, "Hey guys, I just I just can't be around right now. I need to help out with this other stuff." And and it was amazing. And so, yeah, I think I think there's definitely like all of those considerations have to be thought through uh, as you begin building your business, or even as you begin scaling your business. Like, like what is the future of the business, and what are all of the um, all of the best and worst case scenarios of of how this business, you know, might be treated moving forward? So, thanks for bringing that up, Clay. I wanna I wanna um, take a look real quick at your questionnaire. Listeners of the show know that when you come on the show, you fill out a short questionnaire. Grant did that, obviously. And mm-hmm. um, on the questionnaire, we ask you on a scale of one to 10, one being a freelancer, completely working by yourself, uh, 10 being a founder, working, building a company, and, uh, you know, having team members or employees, uh, where would you rate yourself? And, and Grant, you put yourself at a seven and that you'd like to move up just one notch to an eight in the next year. And I'd love to hear, could you, could you paint a picture for us, what's different like a year from now in a perfect world? What, how does your business look different than it currently does? Well, ideally, I would have another full-time employee that could do mm. a lot of the things that I don't enjoy doing as part of the business. And that would be, you know, biz dev and bookkeeping and um, and a lot of the administrative stuff that you know, I left the agency world, I left the, the big agency world a couple of years ago to get away from the corporate stuff that, you know, just frustrates creative people. And mm-hmm. so I would love to have somebody who could step in um, and sort of be the, be the frontal lobe for a bit because, you know, that's what that's what tires me the most is is the actual running the business. I love creating things and making things and and applying my energy like a fire hose to a client's problems and um, and you know sending out invoices is not my favorite thing in the world to do, although I know I have to do <laughs> yeah. it um, so that's one thing that I would love to happen in the next twelve months and then also it would be great to have you know some recurring revenue from some great clients. I've had I've had good relationships with clients, but I haven't gotten to that point yet with this business. I have in previous businesses, but not with this business where I have 
a sizable client that needs a new cool project every quarter. Um, right now, it's basically project work, and you know, someone comes to me. Someone came to me today and offered me some some branding and messaging work that is really meaty and really great. But I know it's not the kind of thing that's going to last into 2023 mm-hmm. and 2024. Yeah. So I would love to sort of find a way to build those relationships. And, you know, I've, I've dabbled in, um, in biz development with, uh, with an outbound marketing program and things like that. And I find that the, you know, these companies that, that fill up your inbox with leads, don't really do a great job with uh, a such a niche oriented organization as yeah, mine. I, I can know? imagine. Okay, so Grant, you know, um, why don't you share with us like maybe some of the hurdles that you yourself facing as you as you try to get your business to that point in the next twelve months or so? Well, I, I think the biggest hurdle is getting beyond referrals. I've had really good success with fer- referrals, and I've built up a big, you know. A big network of friends and ad agency family members that um, that send me work, but okay. I would really love to to grow my network a little bit larger so that I don't have to rely on referrals so much because they, you know, they're feast or famine. Um, yeah, and they're unpredictable, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm sort of fighting a battle between doing a massive lead gen program and just going after that one client that I really want to have. You know, I've got my top five clients that I'd love to work with. And, but, um, the idea of like spamming everybody and building my, <laughs> building my audience that way just doesn't really appeal to me. And I, I well, also let's, have, let's talk, let's, let's talk about that idea though, because I, I think all the time, Freelancers, agency builders, they they sort of think like, well, I don't want to spam my audience or I don't want to spam my network. And I think I think there needs to be a little bit of a mental shift there. And I'm not just saying for you, Grant, I'm saying for all of us. And that is like, it's only spam if it doesn't add value, right? right. And so I think it's important to keep in mind, like, you know, you can add value and you can be passionate about helping someone achieve a certain goal, whatever that goal is. You've done it for clients in the past. You're currently doing it for clients, and you know that you can do it for clients in the future. And so, yes, it is a it is it is marketing, right? It is advertising. It is pitching. It is all of those things. But spam, I don't know that it necessarily is. Now, if you were coming at it saying like like I've had spam pitches before for sure, where it's like this literally has nothing to do with my business. Like I don't care about this. This will not add value to my business. And I think as long as you try to Make sure that you're targeting the right people and that you're genuine in saying, like, I am going to be able to add real value to your business. I genuinely believe I can. Mm-hmm. And I, I think those come across way less spammy. I, I yeah, I, I, I see that. And, you know, I've done some other things. Like a, um, a couple of years ago, I started writing a book and I'm very close to to getting it out there. It has nothing to do with the niche I'm in, but it's, it's a book that I was compelled to write. And I hope that I can build an audience around that. Um, but it's, it's sort of peripheral to what I'm doing right now. So it feels a little misplaced, you know? Yeah. I think, I think when you're like sending out those pitches, 
you know, like I said before, really the key is like keep it all, you know, on target, focused, adding value as much as you can possibly in those. And, and, and then I think you can also, I've, you know, I've built a network off of those sort of cold pitches. I, all the time, I'll, I'll find someone who's doing something similar in my space or who could potentially be a client. And I'll say like, hey, it looks like, it looks like we're doing some cool things in this space together. I'd love to just stay in touch. And then it sort of starts to build a relationship. And it's not a spammy pitch. It's not like, like if, if, you know, if you don't give me a certain amount of money right now, we're not going to be friends online or whatever. Like there's <laughs> nothing like that. It's just, it's just like, hey, you know, would love to stay in touch. And then over time, some of those people have become clients. Some of them have been become partners. I mean, Clay would fall into that camp. Like we just had connected a few times here or there. And then one day we were like, what if we did this coaching podcast together? So mm-hmm. um, I think there's like opportunity to not be spammy uh, and, and to just start to build your own genuine relationships, even if those don't start with a referral. Can I can we back up a step? I wanna I wanna get some context as far as like what you sell. Like I know you just I know you you generally sell like design, some some writing stuff like that. But like, and I know you're in the industry. But like, where where do you lie as far as your fee? Are you expensive? Are you middle of the road? Are you cheap? Like where 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 do you? I lie would there? say that I'm not the most expensive, but I'm pretty up there because I'm senior, you know, and uh, I have worked for some big brands and I'm able to, you know, charge a somewhat premium price for what I do. So, I, I you know, in my opinion, I, I'm glad that you recognize that uh, you're like just being 100% referral based is just not the way to go. Um, or at least you know that that might be drying up. Uh, so that's good. Um, I I think like with you with you being such industry uh, specific and you know you're a little bit premium. I think it's all about relationships, in my opinion. I I think it's super difficult to cold pitch these companies or these 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 prospects, um, especially when like if you if you were the most inexpensive most expensive if you're the 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 uh like inexpensive as far as your fee like that's a lot easier to do um but with you being a little bit premium on your fee i think it comes down to relationships and you got to figure out how do i get to know more of the people more of the decision makers in these industries and so i mean there's and there's several ways to to do that but i think that's that's the key do you do you have any like quick suggestions? Like what are what are maybe two or three ways he could start to do that? Uh, yeah. So one way is, and I mentioned this on a podcast before. I don't know if it's aired. Is you pay to play? So what I mean by that is, yeah, it aired this or- week. Oh, it did okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's cool. So you listen. Um, yeah, I listened to it this morning. Yeah. So so you know you know what I'm talking about. But just in case the list the listeners that are listening to this didn't listen to that episode, um, pay to play just means like if you want to. To get in front of the right people, that especially if you are a premium fee, um, you have to go to where those people are, and they're and it's usually you have to pay in order for that to happen. So it could be some sort of high level mastermind, it could be a conference, it could be some sort of event 
that you have to go to and pay your way there and pay for the travel and lodging, like not just for the travel and lodging, but you actually have to pay to get your foot in the door. Um, or it could be um, if you have a business coach, like paying for a business coach who has those connections, mm-hmm. um, that that's kind of pay to play. That's how you're going to get super premium clients. The The second way I can think of is, uh, is just straight up marketing awareness. And that is just doing marketing, tons of it, uh, getting them into your pipeline the proper way, right? Not, not, a, not a cold sales pitch way, um, because a cold sales pitch is, is you're asking for the sale to somebody who you've never even met. Like you're skipping a lot of steps there. So what you do is you, you uh, put out a lot of marketing pieces out there, a lot of marketing messages, and get it in front of those people somehow. And that could be you know, social media, advertising, YouTube, whatever. Um, and make sure you do the right proper uh, pixeling and retargeting campaigns. Uh, SEO is probably going to be a big one for you, mm-hmm. I think. Um, doing proper SEO strategies um, is going to be a big one. But people, people, they, and I'm sure you're aware of, of how to do SEO, but like, I, SEO is like to me proper SEO is you got to do all the content, all the organic stuff, right? But then you got to couple it with a retargeting campaign, right? And so, like, if I think by doing that, you'll get some clients coming through the pipeline, and they eventually, over time, this one, this particular uh, method, I think takes longer, but over time, they will inbound, they will inbound, and they'll just hit up your DM or your email or whatever, and they'll say, hey. What does it look like to work with you? And you've never met them in your in your life, but they feel like they really know you because they've been watching your marketing messages. Right, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> do you, do you do you feel like um do you feel like this is this is a case of like you're so busy working on client projects and things that that you maybe don't do a ton of like networking or um strategic marketing for your own company? That's absolutely correct, but it's not it's it's more a a function of wanting to have a life and wanting to do the work mm-hmm. and not wanting yeah. to spend as much time on um, on promotion as I as I probably should. I mean, I try to to allocate about half my time for new business and promotion, but um, it doesn't always work out that way. Well, I like what you said before, like about hiring someone. You know, it doesn't. This doesn't mean you have to necessarily do it all yourself. You could, you could hire, like you said, maybe you haven't had luck with like these lead gen agencies or whatever. But, but you could potentially hire someone who just works for you, reports to you, and under your supervision and strategy, goes out and finds the right clients. Yes, there are lots of people who really enjoy biz dev and don't actually want to do the creative work, right? Or, or don't have the talent or skill set to do it. Clay, you were going to say something. Yeah, I was going to ask how often do you market to your own your current clients? Um, relatively often. You know, I check in with my current clients. I mean, I don't I don't create things for them, but I do network with them and you know, I try to check in with good clients at least once a quarter and see what what they're up to. So, so check in what does that mean? You just send them a message and say, "Hey, how are things going?" Right. Or like, that's, okay, that's exactly it. 
I, I, I think you could maximize that even more, in my opinion. Um, I think, I, I, I think uh, and I'm kind of switching gears here, because I, the reason I am is because it's a lot harder to get new clients versus, versus like selling to your current ones. True. And so like maximize that first and then go out and get new clients. And so um, I think like once a quarter, maybe not often enough, but I would do more than just like quote unquote checking in. I, I would uh, take your top 20 clients and send them a custom gift and see what happens. Okay. And when I mean by custom, I mean custom. I don't mean something with your own with your logo on it. I don't mean swag. Um uh go go read the book uh it's called Giftology. Yeah, I've read it. Yeah. So like okay, so you know what I'm talking about. Exactly. So like send them send them a custom gift that uh where where it's not holiday related or birthday related, right? Um just do it out of the blue. And send it to your top twenty clients, and I I bet you that will, um, if, if nothing else, it'll create an even bigger rapport with your with your clients and solidify that that relationship. But I bet you, um, you probably get more business out of it. And you know, we could be killing two birds with one stone here because you you might get more uh, referrals, right? That was the that was yeah. Uh, how you said you already get some business, so you know that'll work. But you could get also repeat business, recurring business, um, potentially from these clients. You might even, you know, after you start to sort of warm up these relationships a little bit more, you come in with a recurring offering and say like, "Hey, I really think this could make a positive impact in your business." Um, but it just gives you like that foot in the door to start having those kinds of conversations again. Great idea. Yeah, yeah. I'll give that a shot. Well, Grant, what what have we left out? What what else? Uh, what other hurdles might you want to cover? We have maybe just two or three minutes here left, but if we can help, we'd love to. Um, you know, one of the things I struggle with is figuring out how much to allocate toward any kind of paid social media advertising to to bring leads in. Um, yeah, what what would be a good baseline cost that I should budget for? So Clay will have some answers on this. I will tell you right now. So at the time of recording, it is April 20th, 2022. Um, We have experimented with a ton of social media advertising. And if you count this as social media, this one is by far blows all of the rest of them out of the water in terms of cost effectiveness. And that is YouTube. Uh, Our YouTube ads are so cheap and get such great engagement and conversions uh, it's just incredible. And and you could also do what Clay was saying, which is like you create some content for YouTube that's valuable to your clients if that's something you want to invest your time in. And then you could also just promote that content as a way to like automatically stay front of mind, top of mind with your potential clients. So for me, like YouTube is, I mean, you can get a video view for a penny. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so like just just dirt cheap stuff. Um, and if if you're good at what you do, which obviously you are, you have an ability to like convert customers for clients. You should be able to run a video campaign of your own and at a, at a penny of you, you know, you get a few thousand views. It runs you not very much money at all, but then you can convert maybe, you know, five or 10 of those into paying clients. 
Yeah. I would throw, um, and I don't, I don't know if your audience is on there. I bet they are. Um, they may not admit it, but I would throw TikTok in there mm-hmm. because TikTok is so inexpensive right now, just like YouTube, um, because it's, it's new. The, the TikTok ad, ad platform is new. Um, so it's, it's inexpensive. But like going back to your question of like how much to allocate, kind of a general rule um, is, you need, well, first of all, you need to know what your client lifetime value is. Yeah. So how much is one client worth to you as far as like, a, like the lifetime value? Um, so you need to figure that out. But in, in my opinion, it takes about uh, 20 to 25% of that lifetime value. That's how much it costs uh, to acquire that client. If you're doing anything more than that, um, it's not a good, it's not a good return. Yeah, and um, it, I mean it'll it'll depend on your project costs as well, right? Like if you're pocketing that other seventy five percent, then you might say, well, for me, it's worth going up to thirty or thirty five percent acquisition cost. But it is all about knowing those numbers. Like if you're going to get ten grand out of a client, you don't want to spend more than. You know, whatever twenty five hundred uh, to to get that particular client, and and so mm-hmm. unfortunately, the budget does depend a little bit on how much you charge, what your average lifetime value of a client is, how much repeat business you think you can get out of a client, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. It's although it's always the it's also the other way around. Like, dude, like I get I get clients all the time who say, uh, I want to I want to be uh, I want to generate a million dollars of annual recurring revenue, um, and they're certain they're currently sitting at two hundred thousand or something. And then I'll say, okay, what's your advertising budget? And they'll be like, I can probably spend like three hundred dollars a month. I'll be like, bro, like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's totally not. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's like, okay. And do <laughs> you really luck. want that guy as a client? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So it's just got to make sense, right? It's like you, you. They want these big numbers, but then you know, it's like, okay, and then your 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 ad budget has to match it. Just you know, just. Doesn't make sense, um, but yeah, twenty twenty five percent of whatever your lifetime value. That's kind of a general rule. And you okay. know what I would say too, Grant, is you have this cool opportunity that maybe um, other listeners might not have, which is that you've worked at a few different agencies, you've had high up positions at agencies, you've run other businesses. Like you probably have connections with people who do this for a living: biz development, client generation, lead generation for agency level work. You could even just call them up or take them to lunch or or whatever. And say like, you know, help me brainstorm a few ideas that I could, you know, run through to to try to j- drum up some some new clients uh, for my business through through advertising through paid ads. That's I, a great I bet idea. They have a, a few ideas. So yeah, I I, I want to make a side note about because at the beginning of the episode you said you wanted somebody to to do biz dev some some admin stuff and things like that. Quite honestly, I think that's two different people. That's my two cents. I recognize that yeah. you know the the personality of the firm has to come from me, and a lot of the face to face has to come from me. But mm-hmm. um, I was thinking about biz dev more along the lines of getting leads in the inbox, kind of biz dev, as opposed to following up on the leads. Oh, gotcha. Even even so, like the, the people who are going to get leads in the inbox. Is is still quite different than someone who processes invoices and mm, does the bookkeeping. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's a different personality. Yeah, someone well, someone I, who's someone who does the the administrative kind of stuff, like they're very operational, uh, kind of assembly line kind of minded. Um, but someone who 
wants to generate leads, like that's somebody that's somebody that's like ambitious, like super. Not saying that the other person's not ambitious; they're just ambitious. They're money driven, super money driven. That makes sense. Yeah. All right, Grant. Well, I think uh, we have covered a lot today and we appreciate you taking time to to uh, join with us on the call hopefully it's been somewhat helpful we'd love to hear uh how things how things go but before we hang up on the call could you let people know where they can find you sure um you know my my web address is uh, sand.agency and um i'm relatively active on instagram and um linkedin as well i love linkedin Awesome. Perfect. In fact, I just accepted your uh, request on LinkedIn. So we are now connected there. And uh, it's been a pleasure chatting with you today. And yeah. we wish you luck. Don't, don't request me because my freaking profile is suspended. Oh, no. <laughs> what? What'd you do, Clay? I do squat, man. Ah. It's like, I, I, I'm barely active on LinkedIn, man. And, they, and then all of a sudden I got an email that says, hey, your profile suspended for whatever activity. And I was like, I was like, I, I've had no activity on there. <laughs> They're like well, you're suspended because you're not using the platform. Sorry, it, it probably is right. Like, <laughs> and I'm I'm not too butthurt about it because I, I I don't know I don't really get that much business from LinkedIn. So anyway, well I'm with you, Grant. I love LinkedIn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have not been uh, banned, and I love it for lead generation and just for connecting with people. So sort of keeping a work mindset, you know. But oh well, I guess we'll just have to party on LinkedIn without Clay. That's fine. <laughs> All right, thank you, you guys. Well, thanks so much for taking time. We'll catch you later. Great. See ya. Freelance to Founder is produced by the team at Millo. Visit millo.co to level up your freelancing. And Dripify, visit getdripify.com to become a bad A in business. Freelance to Founder is also part of The Podglomerate. You can check out more amazing podcasts at thepodglomerate.com. The theme music for this show was produced by Joaquin Carud. You can catch past episodes at freelancetofounder.com or by searching Freelance to Founder in your favorite podcast player. While you're at it, we'd love an honest review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for now. Until next time. See ya.